Hello everyone, we are in no means experts on any of the topics we are about to discuss. We are, however, lifelong friends, along with a slew of guests we will have joining us. There's nothing we love to do more than to voice our opinions on multiple topics. Some of you will agree with us, some of you won't. We could honestly not care either way, we just hope you enjoy the banter. So, without further ado, we encourage you to sit back, relax, and welcome to the chat. I'm your host, Mike McCall, with my ever-so-lovely co-host, Jared Trudeau. And our insufferable honorary (laughs) co-host is joining us yet again today. Hi! (laughs) Yep, there's Willie. Everyone knows Uh, at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We did try to have some some additional guests, but some uh, scheduling kerfuffles popping up. Uh, That that makes it just this trio yet again. Um... But we had we, we couldn't we couldn't wait anymore, honestly, because we we get to talk about something we have been very excited to talk about for a while now. Basically, since the last one we did, uh, yeah, <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah, literally, literally since the Wednesday after the last one we did. Yeah, but we are we are here to talk star wars and not just star wars while we're going to probably cover multiple different things about star wars we are more specifically here to talk about in my personal opinion i don't care what anyone if you guys agree or disagree the greatest star wars story that disney has told to date easily easily hands down it's not even close and as much as people love the mandalorian and everything andor is the best Star Wars show medium whatever that has been put out since Disney bought it. Yeah, literally, it's it's and not even close. Either. You wouldn't even know Disney did it. It was that good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the literally prim- you wouldn't know Disney. Did it. <laughs> this is the prime example of what happens when you give a director who's passionate because this is the the guy who who is the showrunner and the director for the for all the episodes. At least I think it was all the episodes. But he was the executive producer and the showrunner for it, at least, is the dude who pretty much created this character in the first place. Uh, because back when he was the director for Rogue One, and he he cares, and it showed he cares, and Disney kind of just let him do his thing, and he, which thank God they did, because it uh, was so good. Like, don't get me wrong, I still will always put all of my faith in the world in John Favreau and Dave Filoni, but this dude just nailed it. Yeah. I, so when I when it comes to like nerdy things like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, anything like that, the scale I like to do is my I ask my fiance Krista because <laughs> she's not nerdy at all. So if she thinks it's good and it's super nerdy. You know it's good. Like, yeah. You know it's genuinely a good show. That's a that's a fair barometer. Yeah, that's how I like to gauge things nowadays. And she loved it. She was every week. She was like, "We gotta watch Andor," and I was like, "Yeah, we do." Good call. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like, one of the biggest things I kept seeing people say about it is that it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie or show. It didn't feel like Star Wars at all, and I'm like. But it was it perfect, was, though. Yeah, like, was that because it, there were no laser swords? That's exactly yeah. why. <laughs> that is literally what that is literally what Shred said. I know. I said that like the other I night. Know, I, I, I saw that. 
<laughs> it's true, like, but I mean, like, I felt that way after the first episode or two. I was just like, this could literally, if you didn't know this was Star Wars, this could be its own science fiction thing. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's good enough that it's could be its own thing, but it still has enough Star Wars, like, tie-ins and, like, characters and stuff that it makes it Star Wars. But, man. I just would love to point out that I am so happy that the rest of the show was as incredible as it was because if anyone who doesn't remember, I made a very strong point to tell people by after pausing the, the first episode five minutes in and saying this is the greatest stories, <laughs> Star Wars stories Disney has told. And I did that five minutes into the first episode. And here we are, ten episodes later, and I was not proven wrong. Bro. Not there was not a single episode that did not have me entirely engrossed in what was going on. And because we're dealing with what you would consider like, or what some most people consider, people don't think of Star Wars as like this own living and breathing medium where it's this diverse, gigantic universe that you're dealing with, with millions of different stories to be told. But they yeah. see it as the Skywalker saga. And so like they see the Obi-Wan, Luke, Anakin, Vader, all that. They're like, those are the main characters. So in, in some aspect, you're dealing with a show that is introducing a bunch of brand new original characters, bringing in, tying in some, obviously Mon Mothma. I was lit about that. And, and Wolf, and Wolf Yularen also popping up, even though they, I don't think they ever actually said, Hey, this is Wolf Yularen. No, they just, they, they, just, they just say his name and you have to catch it. Well, and, yeah, and then you have Saul Guerrero or whatever. Yeah. So, like, but honestly, like, for people who doesn't, like, pay attention, like, if they're not paying attention and not super nerds like us, like, they miss who, they probably don't even know who Wolf Yularen is in general because you really nope. only see him in Clone Wars as Admiral Yularen. Mm-hmm. And then you don't really, and then, like, Saw, sure, you'll know Saw from, they would know Saw from Rogue One. And then Mon Mothma, like, even though she played a major role in the rebellion, she really only gets what screen time come episode six. Well, yeah, and fun fact that they used the same character from a deleted scene in Revenge of the Sith. It's the same actress that they have playing her now. Well, like, she does look very Oh, she's like, spinning image that, of the original trilogy. The original Mon Mothman back in like the 80s and stuff. Like I know that. Oh, yeah. 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 Other than the hairstyle was different. Yeah, but I it mean, that, hairstyles like, feminine changed. bowl cut. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, that Mon Mothman was rocking and returning. <laughs> uh, but it was just... Oh, and then like let's just talk about the finale for a second because I know like right as soon as I finished watching it, I, I, I texted you guys knowing that you hadn't seen it yet. I'm just like, and all, all I, all I could say was chills, literal oh, chill. It was like so that good. entire, Dude, that enti- like li- when the episode ended, I literally like, I literally called it, called him and was like, so when you said chills, you better have been talking about the entire Two thirds of the episode. Yeah, that whole that whole funeral in general, oh. and then and then Aunt Petunia's speech. 
just and platoon. That's all I can think about when I see her. God damn it! <laughs> that speech though in that finale just oh man it it hit me. It was so perfectly written. Uh, it fit so well into the context of everything that was going on, and it really mm-hmm. was like the first true spark of open rebellion that we saw. And man, was it a spark. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> that one kid with the freaking ID. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Like, yeah. The op- what, what was it? The opening scene, it shows him assembling it. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm like, why am I getting Al-Qaeda vibes? I know, I was getting suicide bomber vibes. <laughs> like, I'm like, out of that. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm getting jihad terrorism vibes right now. <laughs> Definitely yeah, well, wasn't um, just you, because I, I, I paused it, and I was like, to Chris, I'm like, he's making a fucking bomb. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And she's like, he's just a kid. And I was like, right? I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, but he's a child of Ferrix. Yep. And apparently the children of Ferrix are ready to square up any time, any place. Clearly. Seriously. Because they just, oh my goodness. Like, even when they brought out the blasters, they just still kept throwing hands. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> like, oh, I'm taking you down with me. I'm not going to lie. My heart was pounding when that dude was hitting the anvil, and he's like, Doom, Oh, Doom. dude. I was like, oh, this is, I'm like, shit's going to go kick, down. Barton kicked it. Oh, dude, yeah, he kicks the dude right off the tower. You just see it from, like, the... ISB guy's point of view too where he's just like yeah just falls again (laughs) surprise Disney made this yeah right like that (laughs) there's been so much murder like cold blooded murder (laughs) literally so much murder for a Disney show and I love it I know they did it right but real quick I like I I really want to get into some of these some of these theories that I know Trudeau, you said you had one. Mm. So I have that you've seen one. So I've seen one and I've told Willie one that I've came up with on my own. And like, I say it like I came up with it on my own. That's not to say that somewhere out in the internet, someone hasn't said it as well. Bound it's just, I haven't, I hadn't seen anything on it and I still haven't. Um, so I have a feeling though, one of the two that I, either the one I thought of, or the one I did hear. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive it's got to be probably the one you've heard. Oh, definitely. Well, the thing about this show is, too, there's really not a lot that you can, like, theorize out of. Because it's not like a show... It's not, per se, you know, like a Marvel show where they sprinkle things in where it's like, oh, what yeah. does this mean for the future? Like, what does this mean? Like, it's just a well-told story. Not a lot of, like, loose ends. Yep. I mean, there's enough to go into another season for sure. Obviously, well, with the way it technically, ended. Technically, there's there is there is four seasons worth of television to be had. Yep. Well, and also like, and th- they answered the kind of one quote unquote big question everyone had throughout the ep- or throughout the season. What were they making in the prison? Yeah, I'm when that when Mike said scene, was an they showed end it. credit scene. Yeah, and I was like, all right, cool. It was cool too. Not surprised. It was a dope scene. Like, it just made it seem like they were like the parts they were making looked so 
freaking small. Oh yeah. And then it zooms out and you're like, holy fuck. Literally That's a lot. And the, I think the cool part is too, is like, it goes so well with rogue one. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're just cut from the same thread, like this show and that movie. Like you can tell they're all the same story or on the same. Yeah. Oh, just well. So done. Like, I know one of the best things about it is like, it didn't try to do any fan service. Really. It was just telling its own story and it wasn't getting hung up in like, Oh, well we got to throw this little thing. Cause even like I said, even with the Yalaran thing, like they barely like make a big deal about it. It literally mm-hmm. is mustachioed man sitting in the ISB and at the head of the ISB desk in that one episode. But like, yeah. and like all you all it really indicates is like, this is the dude. This is the boss man here. Yeah. Like that's it. And you, they have a brief, like, I think I still, I don't remember them ever saying his name, but will, you said that you did hear I, it. I, so I, I want to say it's like, it's almost like it's conversational. Like it's like, I want to say one of the ISB agents, um, is like, uh, either mentions his name while he's not in the room or like asks him a question while he's in the room. I don't remember the specific context of it, but I'm almost positive someone mentions the name you are in. All right. Like either way, because I don't even remember them like saying Colonel because at this point, which is weird, like he leaves the, the Navy to go to the ISB and somehow gets demoted from yeah. Admiral to Colonel. Yeah. Because he's Colonel Yularen in the ISB, even though he was an admiral in the Republic Navy. Yeah, I, I don't get it. <laughs> but but still, so like like they didn't do anything for fan service, and yet because of the success, like it's still, and because they have so many years to like pretty much cover, and like they have, like I said, there's like at minimum four seasons because they're five years before the battle of Yavin. So yep. technically you could go five and literally like have the series end pretty much like right before you, we see him again, or like the finale is him getting his mission where we in- get introduced to him in rogue one. When right. he murks mm-hmm. that dude in the back of the thing, the covers, butt. yep. So, so like there's a lot to be told. And technically there's still like a decent amount where there's still a decent amount of like, if you think about like big names or stuff that's going on that are coming to live action, like it wouldn't be crazy to have like a Phoenix squadron reference. Yep. With the, with from the star Wars rebels. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't hate to see a live action Kanan as long as he's played by Freddie Prince jr. Has because be. why waste him? I know Freddie Prince jr. Is kind of like not done a lot of he's pretty much retired from acting. But with as big of a nerd as he is, and as much as he loved playing, voicing Kanan, if there's a role that's going to get him back in front of a camera, you tell him that he can have like a minor role playing Kanan again and just give him a wig with a ponytail and stuff and his little goatee. I'm here for it, and I'm sure he would be too. So one of the things where user like they didn't do a lot of fan service, they psyched me out for a second because at the end of the episode before um, Cassian goes to jail, 
he gets picked up by that robot and it's the KS2 same o. style yep. of robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was like, I even told her, I'm like, oh, it's his robot. And then there's another one. And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, they got <laughs> <No>. me. <laughs> those, are just, those are just the dickhead robots. Yep. I, am like, waiting, I am waiting for Alan Tudyk's voice to, start, to, to, to come through one of those. I feel like that would be a great way to like introduce him too. Cause mm-hmm. like he's already been reprogrammed, but you just have casting go into like flashback of getting yeah. one and just like choked out and just like that'd be his initial reaction when he meets him and has a little freak out. I would, I, I would love to see that, but like, I just love Alan Tudyk in general. So like any excuse to oh, have yeah. him, have him back in, in a project would be an absolute win. Yeah, they absolutely psyched me out with that. Because I thought it was going that way, and then it didn't at all. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) No, not even a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm I appreciate it. Like that. I was like, you know, they were doing that too. Like they were gonna get people. Oh, absolutely. They don't just put that uh, style of robot in in the in said show with Cassian without thinking they're gonna get some people. No, it was definitely a conscious effort of of the east of plopping that little easter egg in there of just like eh, you thought no these guys also on the on the thread of dark disney can we talk about for a second the torturing they did to bix oh jeez like it's one of those things so like you remember the the old adage that really started coming around with like how they did with jaws where not showing the monster is is worse than is just as terrifying yeah. as showing, if not more so. I was picturing even just the a description of the screens of and time. everything. Like, uh, yeah, <sighs> like the setup that they put around it, and then not hearing, and, not, and then just having the it go quiet. Cut. The steam just like, goes quiet, Whoa. and the actress I can't remember what her name is because I want to say it's like Eliza Gonzalez, but I feel like that's a different actress from something else. Who are you? What character? Bix. Bix. Oh, it's age. I have the IMDb pulled up. It's yeah. Adria, I'm pulling up right now. Uh, Arjona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonzalez. That the other one I said is she's from Baby Driver. Uh, but no. So she's just she acts that scene though. So like she's so traumatized by it. She sells it and then everything after it. Like she is yeah. a broken. Oh, human. yeah. Just. <laughs> And it's just, and it was like it. Holy crap! And this might be kind of getting off topic, not by much, but the the flashbacks that they did like were done so well because they talk about like the, especially the last flashback. They have Cassian's like adoptive dad saying, you know, people are willing to throw out perfectly good parts when they just gotta put some work into it, yep. and that's definitely in reference to Bix. Because he's just like, she's this broken person, but I'm not going to give up on her. And then yeah. you look at other Disney projects like Boba Fett, where all the flashbacks are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I mean, like, Boba Fett was basically just a flashback. Yeah, but like the flashbacks in this show actually had a purpose and like had deeper meaning, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Yes. Yeah, I, honestly, I think I would have enjoyed... Uh, just hopping on Book of Boba Fett real quick. I think I would have enjoyed it more if if it had just straight up told his story 
Instead of, of doing flashbacks. How he got out of the Sarlacc pit instead of doing flashbacks. Like, if they the just spent, like... An episode or two? An episode or two or even three. I don't remember how many episodes it was. If they would just spent, like, a good chunk of time just telling the story of how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and not trying to interconnect it with... Um, the present day. Through. The present day. I think it yeah. would have been done a lot better. Well, honestly, that's my problem with a lot of like the the use of flashbacks in general. Like, if you they can be used effectively, like we see in Andor, but if you're just doing it just to like show something that happened and not so like Rick. the Book of Boba Fett was using flashbacks to show you something that happened out of context. Mm-hmm. Than compared Definitely to what and, how Andor was using it, where it was, it was feeding into the context of present day. Yep, right. I feel like I feel like if you're gonna do like I have no problem with like starting like doing flashbacks if they make sense with the present. If you're overlapping them, that makes sense with the present storytelling. Even like shows like Arrow, like at least in the beginning, those flashbacks scenes oh, yeah. for the island and everything. They oh yeah. They mirrored the present day story that they were telling as well perfectly. Yep. For me, like, because it was, I also had the issue with Man of Steel. I didn't feel like they did it that well with Man of Steel. It's like, if you want to do flashbacks, which I'm more than okay with, don't even just stop making them flashbacks if you're not going to have them coincide with the present day. Right. Just set that, all those scenes at the beginning of the movie or the show and have that build up yep. to the present day. Right, like I mean, use it as use it as its own story. Don't try, like, don't split the story in the middle of an episode or a movie or whatever just to get that in. It loses traction and it loses people's engagement if this, especially when the flashbacks aren't aren't done that well. Because like, also, also you have this one more, really one more real quick note on Book of Boba Fett before <laughs> I'm sure we hop back off of it. Um, Cad Bane better not be fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, that, that pissed was some me off shit. so much. I was like, "You finally give me live action Cad Bane, and it was done so fucking well." And then you kill him. I'm like, "Go fuck yourself." I'm I'm so mad about it. <laughs> I'm very, so mad. Very fair. I was also upset. But uh, all right. I I I gotta I gotta know. We we gotta get into these uh these uh. These theories. These theories, treads. So, what is the theory you heard? And I'll, let's see if it matches up with either the one I thought of or. So, the theory I heard, and it was very convincing, just all the evidence laid out, was that Luthen is a Jedi. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the one I heard. Yeah. And it does. It makes yeah, a it lot really so does. much sense. It makes a lot of sense because it's. Like the like the I'm I'm almost positive at this point now that we probably watched the same YouTube video that broke it down. <laughs> probably we're like the, the <laughs> Sith and Jedi holocrons are right. like masking the, the holocrons are what really sell it for me. And then his his little shop partner was his Padawan and stuff. So that part I was like, eh. yeah that that part I'm, I'm not. That's the only part I'm not about like, that part. On, but his but reaction, like the, to, the fact like, that he just has holocrons. The fact that he has, he yeah, has they were all like guns. all destroyed pretty much by the Empire. Right. Like And he just has them in the back of his shop, like bruh. <laughs> and yeah. it is true. Like it's been proven in Star Wars Canon that some even without the Holocrons like hiding his, his signature or whatever, 
literally cutting yourself off from the Force like we have seen other Jedis in canon do who has survived, cut themselves off from the Force, and they go. And they also can go undetected by the Emperor and Vader and everything because they cut themselves off. So if that's mm-hmm. what he did, then that's... Com- like I'm just saying like that it makes sense. Makes a lot and, of like, sense. And that speech he has with his inside man... Yeah, dude, that, about that all that he lost and everything. That monologue beautiful. was pro- that monologue was going to be the number one thing I wanted to talk about until Ampetunia's speech. Mm. It, <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> I was like, bro, that finale was just oh yeah, and then plus, yeah. like there potentially was a lightsaber in the show; it just wasn't ignited. <laughs> like, yeah, because they said because like yeah, his his reaction to the dude, I thought that was a little weird. Like, because oh, yeah. even watching, like, I remember even watching the episode, I was just like, I was like, that's just an odd reaction to, like, that's, that's an odd reaction to what looked like it was just, like, a little stick. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it wasn't long enough to be, like, a staff or anything. It was just literally, it just looked like it was, like, a club at yeah. most. I'm like, yeah. that's an odd reaction to have for someone holding your, your club. It was a like, lightsaber. I mean, like, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm sold. <laughs> Yeah, so I was just like that. Was, it, it it did strike me and like everything. He, it was his monologue once. Like they plus, said, he had a fucking kyber crystal. Well, kyber crystal. Like I mean, there's there's a decent amount of the, sketchy the, people out there. That's with kyber the least crystals. convincing. Yeah, like it, you can get kyber crystals if you're if you know the right pirates. Yeah. Hondo Anaka could get kyber crystals. All right. Yeah. That's what I was going for. <laughs> still, so, I mean, not Hondo. coincidence he had a kyber crystal, if you ask me. No, I agree. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> of everything that they laid out, like, reading into his monologue holds more evidence to me than him having, than him just having a kyber crystal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, like, everything added up is just kind of like, all right, this is kind of almost irrefutable. Like, it would really. be interesting because, again, like I mean, we we are dealing with the Jedi Order that has thousands and thousands of Jedi, and especially during the Clone Wars, some of them never really returned, had never really re- came back to Coruscant because mm-hmm. they were out in the stretches of the galaxy fighting freaking separatists or dealing with pirates. Because, like, you got to remember, the Jedi at the time they were. Yeah, they were leading the the clone Republican army and everything like that, but they still had to do, they still had their other duties to the rest of the galaxy. And there were so many of them. It's not like you're going to ever remember every single face that was a Jedi. That's, that's, well, that was the other thing. I know I I can't, I sent it to you guys. I'm almost positive, but I can't remember. It was like the quote from Attack of the Clones where the. Kaminoans were telling Kenobi how many they had ready to go and more on the way. Oh yeah, yeah. and how oh much it God, actually was, like number wise. Yeah. Oh, what oh. did I? Say? I can't even remember. It would be easier. Billions. If I could... It was billions. Of... Yeah, we're yeah, talking like, about multiple billions of. It was clones. something along the lines of like each unit was like two hundred plus thousand or like half a million or some crazy ass number like that. Yep. Kaminoans were busy. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Kaminoans were getting paid, (laughs) literally. But uh, that was crazy. 
So, but I want to, I want to pitch you my, my theory that again, for people listening, I, if it's out there in the internet, I haven't seen it, but this Heard is it here this, first, everyone. This, <laughs> this is the, this is the theory that at least to my best opinion, I, I have thought of, and I told Willie about it. And I even told him that I was mad that I didn't say something about it before the finale aired, just in case they confirmed it. But luckily they didn't confirm it. <laughs> In the That's finale, it. but they also didn't deny it. And if anything, I feel like the finale gave That's me gave me my best evidence that I proves I might be right. Okay, and that theory is the the girl that stays on Ferrix to scout Cassian's uh, mom's house and everything. Yeah, did the job. I think that's his sister from the Ooh. flashbacks. So, like, because you see when they first meet, right, on, oh, Willie, I already forgot. Aldani. Aldani. When they, when you see them first meet on Aldani, like, you can kind of tell there was kind of an instant connection. Like, obviously, they didn't recognize, there was no real, like, recognition, but they were both clearly interested in what was going on with each other Um, and everything like that. But you also have to remember that entire time, Cassian's going under the assumed name of, uh, oh, what was that weird name that he picked? Something stupid. Clem. So he's going under assumed name and everything and not claiming to be from, uh, oh God, why am I forgetting the planet that he was from? They got him in trouble in the first three episodes because he was from that planet. Yeah, because it was such a... Right. Either way, remember what plan either way, was. you see, you see that there is this weird like connection of, or at least a peaking of interest between the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see, like, once he shows up, you can tell that her and uh, her and Deidre were uh, Sinta, Sinta, yeah, and it was Vel. Not Deidre was the ISB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you can tell like once that he gets there, uh, you. I mean, first off, it's obvious. Like they make it very clear and obvious that Cinta and Vel were uh, doing the hanky pants. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> you see though once he gets there and everything, and then like there there starts to slowly become a little bit of separation. Nothing crazy, right? And then it's just part of the plan that Cinta has to stay behind on Aldani because of what they needed her to do. Mm-hmm. And you get off world, but then the next time we see her, she's off world back with Bell. But they're in Ferrix, knowing his name is Cassian Andor. Yep, that's and true. Changes with Cinta more than anything. Cinta, up until this point, you've seen on the entire time in Aldani, was all about getting the mission done, all about completing the mission, completing the mission, doing what she has to do, following the plan. The second she finds out, it's she knows it's Cassian Andor that they're looking for. She deviates from the plan and tells Vel to leave her here because she yep. wants to stay here and watch it. And you can see that she gets really invested in the comings and goings. Like I know, like you could, it could be played off like obviously she's a spy or whatever, and she has, uh, and she's just doing her job very effectively by being so interested in what was going on with Cassian's mom and his friends and everything. 
But to me, it seemed like it was more than just that of her level of interest of what was going on. Right. And then she literally, and then in the, but the point in the finale, right? Like you, she knows that the empire is there in force. Well, more so than normal because they're expecting Cassian to show up. She's already pegged the ISB undercover agent. She's working with Vel. They have their plan. And again, you see Cinta deviate from the plan to go out after the ISB agent that was basically on to Cassian the entire time and straight up murders him when she really doesn't have to. Mm. Like that, that is what really like, again, it can be played off as she's a rebel who hates the empire. She had a, she had a clear chance to take him up. But then, but my counterpoint to that argument is she didn't like, it's not like they just ran across each other in a, no, she tracked him down. She followed him. She got him into that corridor and then when he grabbed her, she stabbed him. She went and sought it out. Yeah. It wasn't this. It wasn't self defense. It wasn't. Uh, they just bumped into each other and in a precarious situation. No, she knew that he was he was after Cassian. And again, like the only argument I would allow is. They were there to kill Cassian, or at least to make sure Cassian doesn't fall into the Empire's hands because he knew too much. So, yeah, kill the Imperial who's trying to get Cassian so Cassian can tell them everything. Sure. But to me, that's how I was reading the situation. And the one thing that, like, just the show in general did such a good job on is they didn't waste any characters. They didn't waste, you know, anything really yeah. and, like, leave any loose ends. So the fact to me, when I say that, like the fact to me that they showed Cassian's sister and introduced her as a character. And then even if it, even if they're like, and then not to do anything with it until like, except for possibly being it set, it's set up for like it's season two. Yeah. It's like, if you're doing that for your setup for season two, why are you telling me all about it? And even proving in the very first episode at the very beginning that he's out looking for her. Yeah. And then introduce this character with all these other things and again like it's i could see how it would could be like a flimsy like trail to trail of breadcrumbs to follow but that is the connection that my brain made with knowing how people like to tell stories yeah and i mean that to me that just reinforces your theory here that they introduced his sister you know like they didn't have to have him have a sister they didn't <laughs> have to do well even then they didn't have to really do the flashback that shows his like they could right. have easily done all of that flashback to setting up of like Aunt Petunia finding him and like yeah. getting him off the planet without showing that first bit of his with his sister and children everything. of the corn right. thing. Yeah, <laughs> children of the corn thing. <laughs> but that's what I'm. That's what I'm interested in to see is like, hey, just. The very ending, the fact that they kind of like, like, obviously, you know what happens because, you know, Cassian doesn't die until yep. he gets the scarif. Well, and so, so here's so here's my question, if your theory is correct, is what's going to happen to Cinta? 
Well, see, that's, I mean, that's because just, either one, they're never actually going to find out that they're brother and sister. That's not necessary. Well, because, so hold, so hold on. Cause you would have to imagine just in kind of just like you were talking to how storytelling typically goes is if they find out their brother and sister, I highly doubt they're going to separate all that often, even if it is for the rebellion. And so you would think that that's come, why wrong. come the events of Rogue One, they would be teaming up with some shit, at least like mentioning each other. And see, again, that's where I think you're wrong, because at that point, especially in Rogue One, right, you're looking at Cassian, who the Rebellion and even the Empire 100% agrees that Cassian Andor is an assassin. Yeah, he's right? ruthless. He he's, he is a he is an assassin of the rebellion. All right, and like I said, Cinta and this whole thing, she has been used as a spy. If she becomes, if she actually does become, like it does pan out where she's his sister, he's off murking people, and she's off doing spy stuff. The last thing either one of them wanting to do is letting the Empire know anything about their personal lives, so that they. To find out that they have a button that they that can be pressed, so that explains why they don't say anything about it. Plus, Cinta, being a spy, would easily just be off on a mission somewhere spying, because Rogue One only takes place in what? I mean, with the you got to deal with hyper hyperspace travel, depending on how far the certain systems are apart. You're looking at like two to three weeks tops. True. True. Of the and that's. The absolute top. Realistically, it's probably like a week and a week and a half because none of the star systems that, if I can remember, are like super crazy far apart. So we're talking only like even at hyperspace travel, you're dealing with eight, eight to ten hours tops for travel. Yeah, because even like even like Imperial star destroyers can cover, can get into a hyperspace lane and cover a decent chunk of the universe in like a day. Yeah. Well, also too is. It could leave a lot of different options that they could do creative things with. Like, say, maybe she dies or gets killed in front of him. That's why he's so cold and ruthless at Rogue yep, One. That's at another that point. Good point, too. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, like, well, is something going to happen? Interesting. It's a, it's one of those things where it's like, she could be a spy for the rebellion. And therefore, that's why they never talk about her because she's off on a mission and he doesn't want to put any heat on her. And then you also have the other end of the spectrum, like Fred said, where, Something tragic does happen to her, and that's what makes him even more cold. Because right now, you see him, he's... He, right now, it looks and feels like the Cassian come the end of Rogue One. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got, him he's just got, saving a, he's got a couple of fucks to give. Like, yeah, he, he yeah, saves he, Bix, he, has he goes some... out of his way and saves her. He, Cassian, at the beginning of Rogue One, wouldn't have done that. No. <laughs> I agree. Like I said, so like, there's Clearly, things happen that harden him back up, and, and I make think, him just that much head deep into the. Which is honestly too. why I was so nervous during the entire finale because I was expecting at least his best friend. I was waiting for him to catch a blaster bolt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I literally, like I, I was waiting on it because that dude is too good of a person and too big of a deal in Cassian's life. I'm like, there's no way this dude has to die. That guy has to die at some point, right? Yeah, but I mean, we're still dealing with a director who literally, like, I know I sent it to you guys, so I know you guys have seen it, but like, he literally brought in a 
random unnamed background rebel trooper that goes as Scarif with them as one of his prison mates that he escapes prison with. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's fucking... Like, this is a dude who doesn't do anything. He's thought things through. Yeah. Everything he's done, or at least everything he's done, in my opinion, has been proven to have not been done lightly. Except for the casting of Andy Serkis. Because that theory of, like, hit that prisoner is what becomes Snoke is absolutely stupid. It I was really stupid in Circus because Andy Circus is a terrific actor and has already been a part of the Star Wars world, but never actually showed his real face in it. So, also so bringing super, in a terrific person to work with. Super depressing. He's like, uh, guys, I can't swim. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I did this entire thing and uh, now I can't swim. I so one thing like I love. Someone helped this man swim. <laughs> well, you knew, like that's the other thing. Where it's like talking about the Cassian at the beginning of Rogue One. He, Cassian was about to like stop to think something. Like, yeah, think, he was. He you could tell he was either gonna like and try and off. help him and out then he himself, just or he's gonna to figure something out, and then he just gets fucking shoved off. Yeah. So that was another thing that I loved about this show is it really showed the cruelty of the Empire with those prisoners letting them go and then putting them in a different fucking pod. Yeah, you're like, hey, your your time's up. You're you're being released. We're just gonna move you down a floor. Yep. And we'll wax anyone. We don't give a shit. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then they they fuck it up because it's bureaucratic and bureaucracy always gets fucked up. And they send a dude back to the same fucking pod. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, well, guess we're going to have to find 100 new prisoners. Yeah. Like, it just showed a different level. And I like, too, that it kind of showed slowly how they're getting more cruel. Like, mm -hmm. there, there's definitely... A lot of that going on like with that one planet where they let all the natives go and watch the sick ass meteor shower yep. but then they like they're slowly every year just making it harder and harder for them to actually do it mm -hmm. and it just you can tell they're starting to tighten their grip more and become more cruel well and they even well and they even met like they even show it through excuse me they even show it through um mon mosma's storyline as to where, like, she's sitting here going, like, fuck, this is getting tighter and tighter and tighter scrutiny and security. Mm -hmm. Like, they are tightening around themselves to really oppress everybody. And she's like, shit, I'm also, about to be wrapped up in this because my financials don't add up. Her plan also, is genius. Making her husband look like he has a gambling problem, yep. and then well, marrying her, marrying her daughter off to a, a yeah, it showed a different side of Mon Mothma because yeah, well, like it was. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. When when they in that final scene where they were doing the meeting between the betrothal, I, I I don't know why, but like I was half expecting the kid to turn around and me to do the fucking leo dicaprio on the couch thing like ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah <laughs> I, I was half expecting to recognize somebody and it just never came because again it was one of those fan service moments like that slow turnaround you're like all right who's this gonna be and then it was just it was a just, random a random was, 14 year old kid yeah. 
<laughs> I was like, ah, right, okay. All right. But honestly, though, that's so smart to make it look like he has a gambling problem, look like they're wiping his gambling debt by having her mm-hmm. their daughter marry this dude's son, who's this yep. dude's clearly like a... He's a loan shark. Oh, yeah, a loan shark. And, like, it's just genius. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's and, just, like, and everything has done so well so far. Because if you remember, like, remember how against Mon, like, how Mon Mothma was pissed off at Luthen? Yeah. The Aldani thing. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, here she is a few episodes later, turning around and intentionally making her husband, like, lying to her husband and making him feel like a piece of shit. Yep. Yeah. And marrying off her only daughter, or sorry, it sorry the meeting wasn't any patrol, real betrothal. He just wanted an introduction. Right. He just he just wanted a meeting. He just but, wanted the intro. But I'm not gonna lie with the, with the way they set up the daughter, like going full in on um whatever religion or whatever the hell. It where where yeah, is she the, she from? I can't. Uh, I would know it if I heard it. I can't think. It's of it something with this. It's something with a C. Yeah. Anyway. With, with the lead up, they Gorilla? showed her going. No, what'd you say? Chandrilla. 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 With with the lead up of them showing how deep into Chandrillan like tradition and like shit she was like the daughter was going like uh, what like I feel like the daughter is going to be like all for this. She didn't look Honestly, upset yeah. at all meeting that uh, that kid. She was like, "Hell yeah, I'm about to." She was smiling. Yeah. Like she was, I, I, I agree, but it's still the fact that like you could tell Mon Mothman did not want to do it. Well, no. and it's gonna piss, and it's gonna piss Vel off. Oh well, Vel, because when, when Vel, Vel needs to be brought down a peg, anyways, Vel is absolutely Vel was worse. the most annoying character, and that's saying Jesus. a lot. I couldn't like. She always had something up her butt. She just ugh. And again. It's probably the way the character was. It's probably one of those like this is the way she's written. So like yeah, no, it. like I'm not holding it. Like the performance was great. It's oh just, yeah, yeah she did a good job. But it's like because because when Bell visits Coruscant, I, I think it's the first time. It might be the second time when she stops back through. She asks Mon Mothma, and she's like, "You're not taking betrothals, are you?" This is the second letter. <laughs> I didn't even realize was, that was her until Krista was like, that's the same person as the, that was in yeah, the, yeah. the, the uh, heist. And I was Which like, oh, I shit. think is like more risky than anything else that Mothma had done at that point, because you have a legitimate family member that has knowing like that people have known she has been on course on talking to her out in the field doing actual rebellion activities. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like that is a bold and apparently they've all sworn some oath to somebody. Yeah, they're like, I swore an oath. Yeah, I, I know. Like, I, I, know like, I don't know if they swore an oath to each other, if they swore an oath to, like, some specific person. Like, I don't know what's going on, but, like... Well, at this point, I, can't, like, I we, can't imagine. Everyone's like, we swore an oath. I can't imagine. If anything, it's bailed. If anything, it's bailed. Because, like, like, I know it's doing... It focused on Mon Mothma and everything that she's doing, but, like, the real architect of the greater rebellion was Bail Organa. And ev- like, that's a proven fact. Like yeah. Mothma played her part, but Bail Organa was the architect of the rebellion. And he was the one that set it up into, to have it to where they were in 
spread out as several entities, uh, separate entities of rebellion, uh, with just like this, this little with the fulcrum agents. Yeah. Uh, as the, as like their their inside the inside track and everything, getting them the supplies that they need, but they want to keep they wanted to keep them separate for as long as they could on purpose and it was that was all bail well and so Mm -hmm. speaking of fulcrum agents part of me while we're just wandering around the isb on coruscant part of me really wants to like i want the button shops even if it's just in the background agent callus is one of my like He's another one of those characters. Like I, I don't. I want to say he's one of my favorite characters, but his story is one of my favorite because mainly because of how great Filoni handles telling his story and his what I will call his redemption arc. Literally yeah. through it through an animated tell. Like it's not on par with like Zuko, obviously, and like Avatar: Last Airbender, right? Because Zuko was a real main character, and so you saw it from start to finish, right? But the fact that they were able to tell the story so believable in in Rebels, where Agent Callus was literally just like a side character, where you're only catching glimpses at a time, but the glimpses you're catching are so way so heavy on everything, mm-hmm. and like it goes all the oh, way yeah. back to the episode in Rebels where him and uh, Zeb get stranded, and yep. they have that talk, and is like, and Zeb's telling him the entire time is like, my friends are coming, dude, like they're coming for us. You're, we're, we're going to be fine. They're coming, and the entire time he's like, "No, they're not. They're 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 going to forget about you. They're yeah, not that far." Like and he's, he's got that empire mentality yeah. of like, "We're all fucking expendable." And then you see, and then you see Zeb get rescued, and he's welcomed back in a warm embrace from all his friends. And Callus sees it from behind the rock. And well, and they they even off like he even offers Callus to come with them, and he's like, "No, I'll take my chances with with the empire." And then. Next time, next thing he sees, it cuts to not even him being rescued on the planet. It just shows him walking into a Star Destroyer and everyone around him, like, it's his Star Destroyer that he's stationed on. Yeah, and they're all and just like... And no one noticed. Even the Admiral is, that he goes to talk yeah. to, just like, oh, there you are. Where have you been? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And it's just like... And, like, that to me, like, that was the start of it. Well, and it was. Because the... I, I don't I, it's been a while since I watched Rebels, but I'm fairly certain one of the next times you see Callus is he's become Fulcrum. No, because that was that that episode is the beginning is somewhere near the beginning of season two, and he's not up in Fulcrum until season three. So he still goes through an entire season. No, definitely. Yeah, it's still like the the rest like of I said, season I, two. I, I couldn't remember the timing of it. But the rest of season two, you gotta remember he's there and he's dealing more in closely with uh with vader yeah everything in season two throughout and and tarkin Mm -hmm. and he's seeing more and more of what it's doing and then he keeps having run-ins with phoenix squadron and then yeah season three it ends up where he's fulcrum he's a fulcrum agent when they don't like and then they don't find out until the next time that then it's once in season three after they get their first message from fulcrum which i think is like episode four when Sabine right. had to infiltrate the uh, the academy, the academy to get Wedge mm-hmm. out. Then it's after that episode. It's the next time that Ezra and Kanan run into him that we find out that he's the new. Oh Hulk. yeah, 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 yeah. Because he helps them get out of a whatever jam they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So like, I think this is a a good segue into animated Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, what? No, this is a terrible <laughs> segue. What do you mean? <laughs> I can gush about Star Wars Rebels. Oh, I can. Gu- I could gush about the animated shit for fucking. Well, I want to talk about Tales of the Jedi. Oh, no, I watched that recently, and oh, oh my god, dude! I, so it's Tales of the Jedi, but realistically, it's like the tales it's of tales of Count Dooku and Ahsoka. Yeah, and it's legit as fuck, dude. So. That is the, the, the thing that blew my mind the most about Tales of the Jedi was Dooku's timeline. Right? I didn't like, realize I did he not was... realize the time frame. Like, I did not realize the time frame and the timing of, like, Dooku leaving the Order. And, yeah, like, I, yeah, I didn't realize Qui-Gon dying was a huge reason why he... Well, there's a 10-year window you're looking at in between episodes one and episode two. Yeah. I mean, it's well, like you just you just don't like you, you don't just realize don't really it. think about it. Yeah, like you, like you know it's there, obviously, because in episode two, Anakin's a fucking man child and not a literal child. <laughs> but like, so like you realize there's a time jump, but like it doesn't. Like you're like okay, there's a time jump, whatever. But you don't think about any of the shit that goes on in between it. Because even in Clone Wars, like they don't cover any of it because it's not part of the Clone War yet. Yeah. I also am devastated that Yaddle had to die that way. Yeah, it was a real shit Yaddle, way for Yaddle like, to die. But also, I, I'll say this about Yaddle: it re- that that little bit redeemed Yaddle in my eyes because I hated Yaddle for no reason, <laughs> for no reason other than the fact that she was ugly as shit. <laughs> well, it also points out that uh, Yoda didn't talk cool. He has a right. fucking speech Yoda impediment. Yoda did it to be poshy. I don't fucking know. He has a speech impediment. <laughs> Yoda's, Yoda's on the spectrum. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that's that's what so this good. show is. That's why he's so good with the force, because he's on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 his like one thing that like people like people on the spectrum are always like really good at like one thing. The force. That's, that's one yeah. thing. To that, be that's his one thing. Is the force. Yeah, but he can't talk for shit. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So I know I told you guys, but literally, like, I I can't remember if it was the last one or this. It's the second to last one. The Ahsoka episode where Anakin trains her in dude shadows. Oh yeah, I, the moves. Everything just matched up with season seven, and I was like, it, I was breaking my heart watching it. it. It broke my heart into pieces, but what really, like, and, but the first domino that fell, the first crack in my heart that happened watching that was, like I told, at least Willie, I know I went into detail with you, was literally sitting and them showing in the background Jedi Master Depa Balabo with Caleb Dune. Yeah, that one, that, that was a gut punch. <laughs> In amazement at what Ahsoka was doing in that training gr- training room, and I'm just like, <laughs> Kanan, no, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was run the away first, right now. That was, that was the first little, the first little, and then it just kept getting worse and worse. Yeah, that was, and a, then that it goes a, right into into the next episode with Ahsoka, or not the next episode. It should be the no, it was the next episode. It was, it was like the third to last episode because they both had four, right? Yeah, they both had four episodes. Three, three. You said sure? three. Because you had Ahsoka being found, and then yep. the whole training montage, and 
Order 66. And then, are you still... No, yeah, you're right. They each had three. Ahsoka going to Padme's funeral and fighting the Inquisitor was one episode. Yep. You were right. But yeah, like, but to go from that of her surviving Order 66 because of Anakin's training and specifically the fact that it's her doing this training with the 501st, with Jesse, with, uh, I don't even remember all their names. I remember Jesse because Jesse was the big one. Yeah. Outside of Rex, obviously. But like, you have all of them like doing this to help her to help train her and then it ends up being exactly what saves her life and yep it was hard to watch again well and they and they cut it they cut it in so perfectly with like so in season seven you see her and rex walk in and like they they didn't say anything right before they cut in and like right as right before they're gonna open the door in tales of the jedi you hear rex go Let's hope that training paid off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fuck. Stop. Like that. That show was just phenomenal. The limited. The Clone Wars was, is still my favorite like section of time for all of Star Wars content. I mean, it's close with the Old Republic, with like obviously with Revan and all of them, but like in terms of the mainstream canon, just I love the Clone Wars era, but it's so hard to watch. Because it just kills me every single time. I just love that. I didn't realize I would enjoy that Tales of the Jedi as much as I did. And it was just so good. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was a little, I was, I was a little worried about it. Um, only because the last time they did something like this with Star Wars Visions, it was not good. Well, I haven't seen Visions, but my understanding is it's just a bunch of different. It's a bunch of isolated stories in inside the Star Wars universe by different animation studios, uh, anime studios, and like and like some some of them, them some some of them are are good, some Some of them are good, and then some of them are just so yeah dull. So I kind of expect that though, with the way the show's set up, like different studios and animation styles, and so like. If you watch the first one, the duel, the duel is one of the is oh the duel is amazing. That duel is a fantastic. Um, the one with the brother and the sister, where it's like Allison Brie and someone else. Yeah, uh, that, that one was solid. That one was solid. But then you have that that band one where it's I, I Joseph Gordon Levitt didn't watch anything after that. Joseph Gordon Levitt like, is voicing just this random dude yeah. that just wants <laughs> to be a rock star in the Star Wars universe. And yeah, it's like, a band I, like concert. I, I couldn't watch anything past that because I'm like, this was awful. Oh, like, and then yeah, no. what was the the one with the with all the Jedi's that come together, or like at the end of the Empire, and then it ends up being a Sith Lord that is like tricked him. Oh, that one was fantastic. Yeah, that was a good one. So like, yeah, I, I enjoyed like, all of Tales of, were of the bad, Jedi. But like, I was the so ones like, that were bad were bad. Yeah, they were so bad. So like, I was a little worried about it. But like, once I saw like, and that was when I first heard it. Like, once I saw like what storylines they were gonna go with, I, I was stoked. So I'm not gonna lie, Tales of the Jedi kind of for me at least started off slow. I could give two shits seeing Ahsoka as a baby getting kidnapped by a saber tooth. That I will, I'll agree with that mainly because <laughs> right. I thought it was going to show her like actually being discovered by Plo Koon. Yeah, and that's kind of what I. Yeah, that's where Plo I thought Koon. it was going to go. I want more Plo Koon all any any day of the week. 
but then she's like, she's Jedi. And then that's it. I'm like, what the, what? <laughs> <laughs> but then it cuts into the Dooku story. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Dooku stories to me were the And they best told it part. in chronological order. Yeah. Oh man. It was just. Well, maybe not perfectly because that first Dooku story definitely came well before Ahsoka was born. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, with but, how young Qui-Gon was, and Dooku, frankly, but... Love young Qui-Gon. I love any version of Qui-Gon. <laughs> Facts. Liam Neeson for days. Yep. But, oh, it was just... Tales of the Jedi was... If that doesn't get people to want to go back and like watch Clone Wars and Rebels who haven't watched it before, uh, they're lost causes. Ah, dude, it's like, so good, like... Because literally, Tales of the Jedi. I want to go back and rewatch them so bad, but knowing me, I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna do it in chronological order again. Like I'm not gonna go season one of Clone Wars. Like I'm gonna jump around, watch it in order because it makes so much more sense. Treads, I don't know if you've done that. I know McCall. McCall, did you ever actually like finish watching it, doing that? Yeah. Like do what? It's worked. So Clone Wars is not told in chronological order until about season three. And even then, and even then there's some story arcs skip that and are... jump. But like, so, yeah, like the first episode of, of Clone Wars, in terms of the overall, like chronological order, the first episode takes place, would take place, what, midway through season two? Uh, season two. Yeah. So like, so I found, I found, uh, I, I found something on the internet. It sh- it gives you the episode numbers and seasons in chronological order, and it makes the show a million times better because the, oh. the storylines make more sense. Ahsoka doesn't just randomly appear and disappear. <laughs> like and that one random episode where she has a completely different outfit that she never wears ever again. It's just that one episode. Yeah, like it. Like that one it, was you. <laughs> it like. Like everything makes so like if if you really like it takes a minute to do it because after every episode you gotta like get out of it go find the next one and then like but, you get to a part but as a whole like, watch, the episodes like, are in chunks ten plus episodes great yeah it, as a whole they're in chunks so it's it'll it's like five it's like three to five episode chunks that you're kind of gonna watch like in a row that like actually work together and then you go back and hop into something else. Hmm. But it makes it makes it a million times better. Good God. Interesting. But yeah, I will uh, and uh, with all that, like I said, I how I said I could gush about rebels all day, every day. And that's because Which I'm is friends. funny because McCall, the first time you watched Rebels, you were like, it was good. Yeah. And I was sitting there. I had rewatched it like well, two or three times. I was so like, this I felt, is fantastic. So that's what it is, right? I fell off watching Rebels like at, shortly into season like one. It was just, it was one of those things where it's just like, I, other things kept coming up and I just was like, I was like, yeah, it was good. It was good from what I saw. And because realistically, it, it's not until season, like season two is it gets really good. And then well, season three feel- and four is when it's great because you have Thrawn. You have Ezra coming into his own as a legit Jedi. You have him dealing with the with the Sith holocron. You have Darth Maul coming back yeah, in Maul, yeah, and then you have the world yeah. between worlds in season in season four. That yeah, whole thing. You have the oh my god! But yeah, the so first to, season is a little bit of a slow burn. Yeah, it is. So to, 
yeah. So to me, Rebels, at least the first season, when I watched it, I had to power through it because I felt like it was more geared towards kids than any of the other animated stuff, like than Clone Wars. See, and that's like how that. I, that's how that's why it took me so long to get through Clone Wars is I couldn't watch like the first two and a half seasons of, of Clone Wars. I was like, this is a children's show that was put and out on Cartoon Warcraft. Network. And then Warcraft. <laughs> and then very much not a children's show. <laughs> Warcraft's everywhere. Yeah, that that's I feel like that's just the problem is they they initially started off like so geared towards kids and then they get well, into the like, Star Wars their lore get and why shit. They do they it because like because like they're sitting there going like most adults are not going to sit here and want to watch an animated show. Like the stigma yeah. out there is anything animated is a fucking cartoon and cartoons are for kids. Yep. Like obviously I have like the Simpsons family guy, like that type of South Park, like that type of shit obviously is not for children. Where they're clearly like, for adults. Right. But like, <laughs> there's no like middle ground of like, Hey, kids can enjoy this. And this is for adults. Like, yeah, kids enjoy South Park and Family and all that shit, but that's because, you know, parents don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, that being said, I watched it as a kid. My parents cared, so whatever. You are literally their least favorite child. Well, <laughs> that's... Your yeah. laughing treads, that is... That no, is, it's, that, it's, is an, I'm, I'm that is an accurate statement that I heard with my own ears come out of the <laughs> It's It's accurate. And I remember because oh, <laughs> it was literally it was right it was right before we moved. His dad came to visit, and Colton got into some trouble. His brother, and so I was like, "Yeah, that little bit kind of moved your sister." He's like, "Yeah, that little bit moved your sister up into the that top spot." But Colton's still right there in second for now, <laughs> <laughs> and then that just leaves Willie down there at the bottom. Okay. <laughs> and he's saying it to his face, and I'm just like, "God, I love you right now." <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 good times, man. <laughs> I love that. That kills me every time. Hey, low expectations can't disappoint anybody. <laughs> hey, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> but no, like I just. But back on the, the on the Star Wars things, but yeah, I just I. Like you got to get your foot in the door with those animated, and then once you once you get yourself established. They're so good. They're they're the best. They're the best of Star Wars media. Even Waylon, who was on the first Star Wars episode, he's super into Star Wars, and he hadn't watched the cartoons because he's like, it just didn't even register to him that they might actually not be for kids. You well, know? and I hadn't I hadn't watched them either. Like I like I lo- I've loved Star Wars from the time I was a little little kid, and like I even saw Clone Wars come out on. Where it was originally a Cartoon Network thing, right? Yeah. Well, it was a movie, and then they turned it. Well, into right, a show. they did the movie, but like, so I like, like I saw it on Cartoon Network while I was scrolling through things, and I'd flip it on, and I'm like, this is like, like at that point, I was a little bit older. I was like, this is a kids show. This is dumb. And then I met McCall, and he's like, dude, you got to watch it. And like, I we we're in the dorms at our first base, and like he was watching it, and I was like. Even sitting there watching it with him, I was like, this is dumb. This is a kid's show. <laughs> and then he finally got me to sit down and watch it. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, it's it's good. And especially near the like the end, like end of the 
not the new season that they did to be the end, but, but like the, the end other of, one, like, season six, where they had Yoda like doing yep. all that force stuff. I was mm-hmm. like, this is deep. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> deep cuts, man, deep cuts. Yeah. And the whole brother and sister, light side and dark side of the force with the father. Dude, that's like, one of my favorite story arcs. I mean, my favorite story arc is also like the saddest story arc, and it's the yeah when Ferris is a bitch. Yeah, fuck Ferris. What a mm. Ferris I, is a twat. I would I would slap her. I would slap her. <laughs> Full force, no hold bar, no hold bar on that one. No, no holds bar. Slap in the face. <laughs> that's what. She, that's the least that she deserves. Totally honestly, would not be able to dodge my slap with her force abilities. But honestly, like realistically, it would be better off to just give her to give her to Anakin and just leave the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She would get what she would deserve for that in, in that scenario. Because I mean, you look at what Anakin did with. Would do with like, uh, oh, what's the name? Why am I forgetting it? The Geonosian leader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. see what he does with him, and he didn't actually do anything to personally harm Ahsoka. And <laughs> Barris did. Yep. Barris intentionally went out of her way to harm Ahsoka personally. And yeah, Anakin does not, does, does not fucks with that. Not to mention, at that point, he's already pissed off about everything. Obi-Wan already fucking lied to him, made him think he was dead for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's the that's the best thing that I think the Clone Wars brought to Star Wars. Because to me, I still... Clone Wars is incredible, and I will never not say that, but I will forever be more inclined to... Like, I'm one of the... I know I'm in the minority, but I will put Rebels over Clone Wars all day, every day. But what Clone Wars does do perfectly is it shows Anakin's decline wasn't overnight. Right. It it shows you a it gives you a reason for Anakin yeah. to be so it shows you disillusioned and pissed off with the Jedi Order. Like time it's not just you go from you go from episode two where the Clone Wars starts, and then the next movie he's like, "Fuck this." fuck them they're they're a bunch of bitches and you're like dude like literally all they told you was you couldn't be a master (laughs) like the fuck like get over yourself a little bit this makes him look like a whiny bitch but then once you see all the fucking shit the order and like all the shit that the war did do it and like to me there there are four jedis that the clone wars semi expands on that just Proves more and more why something had to something had to happen to the order. I would have preferred it not being like that, but like something needed to change. And those yeah. four, those four are Luminara, yep, Kayati Mundi, yep, Ayla Sakura, and Mace. Mace would do yeah. the biggest is the prime example more than the others because. The other three that I said, they they highlight one thing that's wrong. Mace had all three. Yeah. <laughs> and like he was the pr- proving why the Jedi Order didn't work anymore. Like, yeah. and you don't see it in the movies because you're just like, Mace, that's Sam Jackson with a purple lightsaber. That's dope as shit. Yeah. But then, Literally. 
then but Clone Wars goes in and expands and like don't get me wrong, Mace Windu, powerful warrior, tries to do what's right, but he follows the Jedi Order, like tries to follow the, he he's all and even Tales of the Jedi highlights it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was Dooku. Dooku wasn't wrong. No. No. Dooku absolutely wasn't wrong. Dooku wasn't wrong at all. And to me, Mace Windu is the prime example, but like you look at Luminara and the episode where they send Ahsoka and Barris into the Geonosian factory. Yep. She was a hundred percent okay with like, no, we're not gonna do anything. They're our Padawans are dead. That's fine. Right. We'll move on. Like, yeah, our Padawans are dead. It's like, it that's, sucks, but that's like fuck. that's life. Like that's that that's fucked. What what's the point of fighting if you're not going to like Yeah. And then you have Kayati Mundi who was an elitist and they even the show didn't really show how true like the true yeah. level of douchebaggery that Kayati Mundi actually is. Yeah, Kayati Mundi's a douche. Like he's already an elitist <laughs> because he's a part of the Jedi Order and he thinks that because of that, uh and because he's a Jedi Master and he's on the Jedi Council, he's better than other people in the Jedi Order. But then on top of that, because his his species is uh, so close to extinction, he was one of the few people that the Order allowed the to have children, and he <laughs> had a lot of them. Yeah. Not that he cared. No. He, he, literally went, he literally went in there, did the deed, and got out a lot. Yep. But he was an absolute, absolute douchebag. Yeah. And he was the, he was showing the elitist and the the hubris of the Jedi Order. And then Ayla, it wasn't so much what she did, because like the other two, those were direct things that they were doing around Anakin, where Anakin was seeing it firsthand. Right. Ayla Sakura's thing that I like to point out more than anything is pretty much the same thing that Luminara was teaching, except for she was doing it with Ahsoka and showing it from like the apprentice having to be ready to just abandon the master yeah or whatever because we can't have connections we can't have connections like it's you can't not have connections right i mean like especially Obi-Wan the way is that arguably the especially greatest the way jedi that's in the jedi order and, like obi-wan is arguably the greatest jedi in the jedi order and even he it self-admittedly anakin was his brother that's a connection yeah well and then he was in love with what's her face with well, yeah Satine. and he would have he would have not sabine Satine. Satine. I uh, said did you Satine. say Satine? Okay, sorry, they're the same name. One letter. <laughs> attention. Yeah, like, he's he's the greatest Jedi, and even he had connections. Qui-Gon had, had connections all over the fucking place, but he was... Oh, yeah. He already proved long into, very early on that he took... So, like, to me, he took Dooku's example and teachings, and he reacted the proper way. Right. Yeah. And even Dooku in Tales of the Jedi says that. He's just like, it's like, man, if it wasn't for you actually thinking clearly during this, like, w- this whole situation would have been fucked when they had, like, yeah. the senator's son, uh, like, as a captain yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yep. Hey, he, so, like, even early I mean, on, he, even, he even says the line. He's, he's like, you're a greater man than I. Or a greater Jedi than I. Wiser. You're a wiser. Wiser. Jedi. Wiser man Yep. Yeah, the, the, I also the, love how when uh, after Qui-Gon goes and talks to the council about Darth Maul and everything, he's like, hmm, I can't wait to meet your apprentice, Obi-Wan. And it was like, huh? Well, <laughs> like, joke's on you. Like, the first time you meet, you guys are going to be trying to kill each other. 
Yeah. But see, no, that's Obi- the thing. If you if Obi- you look Obi- at it, like Dooku is, Dooku did all these things, right? So I think Tales of the Jedi, and then if you look at the body of work as a whole, like, yes, Dooku is still a Sith. He still goes and wipes out the Knights through of Dathomir. He still is a gigantic douchebag. But that you can attribute to being corrupted by the dark side of the force. All yes. this stems from he saw he saw the hypocrisies, like Anakin's speech, I've seen through the lies of the Jedi. Dooku saw through the lies of the Jedi, saw that was given the incompetence. Given he was given this pathway to try and fix it from Sidious. And then he just lets the dark side corrupt him. But even still, through and through, like when they first meet, Dooku, Obi Wan's in prison. Dooku isn't there trying to kill him or anything. He's trying to recruit him. He tells him everything. He he needs because he knows, like he doesn't. He doesn't agree with what Sidious is doing. He doesn't want to follow Sidious. He knows that the Jedi Order something has to change. He's he only joined Sidious because at least Sidious had a way moving forward. But his end goal was not in line with Sidious's at all, and it and he made that was a that was abundantly clear through and through. Like he didn't. That's why he was. That's why he became a separatist political like leader and everything. Because that's what he was. He wasn't just the general of their armies. He was the political leader of the separatist movement because the Republic and the Jedi Order as a whole was flawed. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm... so he was there recruiting Obi Wan because he knew he couldn't take Sidious on his own. Right. He was there trying to get. He was recruiting his apprentice, and when he doesn't get, and then and then in Clone Wars start, he doesn't get Obi Wan. What does he do? Assage. Assage gets yep. too strong. Sidious comes and swings his swings his big dick around. Massive cock. Makes fucking Dooku get rid of her. He gets rid. What does Dooku do? Turns Goes right around. Savage. 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 And has the Night Sisters like enhance him to hopefully make him even stronger, even yep. quicker. Because he's trying, like, he knows that he does. He doesn't want to go along with Sidious's plan, no. or at least not the end. The end game. Oh, and so like you can see things. that that inner battle too in Tales of the Jedi and the sceneries with Yaddle and everything. When she was like, "I don't agree with the Jedi Council either. That's why I left the Council." He was like, "Hmm, here's another way I could, you know, like." That's different from Sidious. But even then, at that point, Sidious had already had his... He already had Dooku do too much, and Dooku didn't see the way out. Even with Yaddle sitting right there, like giving him the lifeline of saying that he's not alone. But because of everything he did up until that, even though it... You didn't could see the inner battle, though. He was he was yeah. thinking yeah. about it. Well, <laughs> one of the things, he was thinking about it, but like you could see him like processing, and he's just like, "But there's there's no way out for me. I, I'm it's I'm too far gone." I've even done he too. Was. He even says it. He said, "I've he says I've done too much." Even though he really had, he did Cyphodius, and he wiped like he got the Kaminoans, and he wiped out Camino from the from well, the archives. So, so honestly, one of my one of my favorite little parts of that of that episode and even the entire little series of tales of the Jedi is you can, you can see when, when Yaddle starts lifting that door back up, you can see Sidious like he turns and covers his face. Oh yeah. Because he's, he got way too close to that door and that light was coming in. It was going to expose him for who he was. Yep. 
Yeah, I saw, I noticed that too. I was like, ooh, he's scared. You don't want to be seen. I also love how they've kept it consistent as all the meeting places on Curacao are during this in the like factory district or whatever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh. Tales of Jedi was just so beautifully done. Yeah, it was it was really good. And that, you know, you can chalk that up to Dave Filoni being director, producer, like everything. <laughs> he did everything with that show, like those episodes. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's just, again, uh, yet another prime example of the many that proves that you can't you can't go wrong with having faith in Dave Filoni. Nope. There's not a single thing he's done in Star Wars that has disappointed me. Because, honestly, if you look, like, he had nothing to do with the prequels, which even then, I mean, looking back in hindsight now, they're actually not that bad. I mean, episodes no. one and two are still pretty bad, but like Revenge of the Sith, pretty great. It's just and, the writing that just fucks him up. Yeah, and then the sequel. it was George Lucas directing, is what it was, because he's the one that made Hayden Christensen act the way he did. He's but the one you, that. But Hayden Christensen acted perfectly for how Anakin was at the time. Like for the vision that Lucas had, everything like it was. It was perfectly handled. It just looked clunky because, like, all we saw was just this clunky and thing. And plus, like, they went CGI heavy as fuck. Yeah, that was that was the other thing. Like, I don't know why they went away from it. He got a little too green screen happy. A little. One of the magic <laughs> of Star Wars, like the original trilogy, was everything looked so real. Yeah, and, yeah. Like the bare minimum of VFX. And to, I love like puppets and animatronics and stuff like that. I love that in Star Wars. Yeah, because it feels real. I mean, the sequels that did like the sequels, they they went back to their to the basics, and they it was so perfectly handled. And you're yeah. Just like, oh yeah, it's like oh man, that was great. Too bad the rest of this storytelling is shit. It's part of the reason why I love Babu Frick. He's just a little puppet, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> like, how can you not love that <laughs> the rest of the movie around him was shit but <laughs> bro he was the highlight of that movie for me honestly like i i did i did get chuckles from him i will bro, i will say that but i think that's about the, the with that movie that's the best compliment you're gonna get from me is that <laughs> bob frick made me chuckle <laughs> because the the, everything else just made me everything 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 just made me pissed they fly now i mean they've and they even flying. brought back babu frick for the final like battle i was like yes like the at only least i think they did i don't remember yeah honestly that like okay sorry there are two things that so i had the babu frick made me chuckle and then my my uh leonardo dicaprio meme when the ghost showed up. Yeah, when the and ghost it, shows up in the in that end, and end scene. Fleet. Yeah, even though <laughs> that still made no sense. Again, so the sequels. I watched a video. I watched a video that like explained it, and it makes really good points. But the sequels ruin hyperspace travel. Oh yeah. Definitely. So if you think, if you look in the, even in the in the prequels and the original, there is never. 
no one, there's no time ever given. Period. Yeah. Right? And even in even in episode seven, there's no real like time frames given. Yep. With this is the point I was trying to make with our argument that we had in our group chat earlier treads this week. When I was like, oh, let's bump the break so we can talk about it on the on the episode real quick. <laughs> um but episode episode eight. All right. So I, I walked it through with Willie a little bit. So I'm gonna walk it through with you. So if you episode seven when they attack uh Star Killer Base, right? Mm-hmm. They strike Starkiller base, but the First Order already knows where the base is. The rebel, the re, the resistance base is, right? Yeah. So, keeping the end, Episode Eight even picks up with the First Order chasing them from that base. Yep. So you got to you're looking at at most a day, at most a day had passed between episodes seven and when episode when seven ends and eight begins because the space travel back, then packing everything up and going, which is why one of the issues I have with Ray's character, at least in episode eight is how strong she's in with the force at the end. It's like, well, yeah, she was training with, with Luke and everything. And it's like, Luke doesn't spend that much time in Dagobah and he becomes super strong with the force and everything and with training with Yoda and Dagobah. So here's the difference. Episode eight, they give, a 19 hour time frame in the movie yeah. that's they have because they're running out of fuel and they say we have 19 hours left of fuel. So we're looking at a about a day at max of them getting back to the base, getting everything packed up and gone. Given that Ray, given that she turns around, gets back, says goodbye to Leia, gets the map for Luke and everything and turns right around and dips. That puts her maybe, like I said, a slight, just, just short of a day ahead of them. And she's there at the finale. So at most, you're looking at three days tops. Three days. And she becomes that strong with Force because she was training with Luke. However, in Empire Strikes Back, when Luke goes to Dagobah, you have the Millennium Falcon and Han and them traveling to Cloud City and Bespin. But if you don't remember, in Empire Strikes Back, the Millennium Falcon doesn't have a hyperdrive. So they are go. They are not. They are not hyper. They're not doing hyperspace travel to get to Bespin. They are literally going at their max speed, which is still fast as fuck. But it's not hyperspace. So we're not talking about hours or days. We're talking about weeks and maybe even months that they are literally traveling through space to Bespin. Uh, and all that time that they're traveling through space without a hyperdrive, you have Luke with Yoda in Dagobah. So we're talking about weeks and months compared to three days. So my, my question to you is, is what in that movie makes you think that Ray is super strong with the force after said hours with Luke? Cause what she doesn't really do much. She just moves a bunch of fucking rocks, a bunch of fucking rocks that even freaking Luke struggles with lifting just a single, uh, X-wing in with Dagobah in the much longer amount of time, and he's what? the quite literal offspring of. So even if you want to bring in the midichlorian count thing, he's the quite literal offspring of the chosen one. So he still is going to have a higher midichlorian count than just the grand the granddaughter of Palpatine. At, and now that the whole story's out, there's no way. So like even if you want to bring the midichlorian count argument into it. 
So <laughs> if you look at it, though, relatively speaking, her force powers based off of the movie after it uh, with Rise of Skywalker, moving those rocks really wasn't that much because you in that in Rise of Skywalker, you jump into her getting trained by Leia and oh, she's yeah. actually doing a lot of legit shit. Yeah. You ready for this one? You ready for my, my counterpoint to why the real well, reason no. why Star Wars fans hate Ray so much and not because she's OP as fuck for no reason. But. Well, yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like everyone's like, you can, you at least see in the, in the prequels, you see like, you're talking about 15 to 16 years of Anakin training as a Jedi. Right. So that's years. And yep. so he's super powerful. Luke, the, the time between the trip, the original is still probably like, I think like five or six years. So it's still five or six years where he's getting tutelage. And then he's got it. He's got the force ghosts teaching him more stuff that they've already, that they didn't know about originally because of all their time in exile, like especially Yoda. Yep. And then, and then all of a sudden, the time frame for the events of the sequels, like I'm talking from beginning to episode seven to the ending of episode nine, I think roughly takes of like maybe six months to a year. Yeah. Like that's, I'm not even kidding. Like that's not me just like doing rough. No, it's like confirmed that it's like roughly about like six months to maybe I'll six, six to 18 months is the time frame from start to finish of episodes six seven to nine and she's the most powerful jedi and that's and oh everyone hates her because she's a woman and she's the most powerful jedi now and they can't get over the fact that luke's not the most powerful jedi i was like no because a ahsoka ahsoka is always yeah. going to be the the boss bitch of female jedi yeah. but you're going to give her you're going to give her that title on a whim in 18 months of time when everyone else spent years legitimate years to work there and then they also have the whole prophecy thing working in their favor too yeah come on yeah i mean ultimately they're all shit the final the <laughs> sequels they're all dog shit yes but what are. i was yep. just my argument was, was that the uh fuck i don't even know what it's called because i think they're all shit the last the middle Jedi. one yeah last shot i um, to me that's just the least steaming pile of shit in the whole <laughs> shithole my, my point, like, the biggest thing, that because I know you sent me those videos that were trying to defend it, and I know I said this in the in our group chat in response to it, but I'll reiterate it for the greater public, or, you know, the, like, 12 people that listen to these. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that you're, like, one of the main things that the guy was saying that was reason why The Last Jedi is good is because it was Ryan Johnson opening the rest of the universe back and back to, the, oh, anyone could be the Force and can have the Force and making Rey a nobody like just insinuated that fact and then that little boy on that planet being able to like use the force to grab the broom it's opening the force back to the entire universe and anyone can be a jedi and anyone can harness the force and everything and i'm sitting there it's like and i was listening to it and i'm like dude that was never the problem i was we like when did all, they turn that we, off we all knew that the re like if he doesn't like the reason we had such an issue with episode one at the very beginning was they introduced midichlorians which restricted which made it feel like it brought that back down and to where it wasn't open to the rest of the universe. We already knew it was open to the whole universe from the original trilogy. We hated yeah. it when they brought in midichlorians and made it feel like it restricted it. And so it's like, what, we're supposed to praise you for being, for doing what we all already knew anyways? 
So I think you're looking at that whole video, though, through the lens of you already fucking hate that movie. So everything they say is going to piss you off. Well, but you got to look at it in the sense that, like, you're not trying to praise Ryan Johnson. You just got to shit on him as much <laughs> for the movie. Well, like, I, That's I the whole point of the video is. Honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll he got shit on way too hard. I'll, I'll tell you this. Watching that video, I wouldn't even say that I was. I'm. I didn't like the way the dude presented his arguments. Like, it's not that he didn't like because all he did it was a long. It was a long video. It was like forty. I didn't watch long the video. long one. I only watched. Yeah, the it was a forty-five minute long video, and he only brought up like five things that like were good. And then the rest of the time, and like he would just kept coming back to those spots. Like it was probably more than five, but it it wasn't enough for a forty-five minute video. And he just spends the time keep hitting, like reiterating, not adding on to those points, just reiterating those points. And then the rest of the time is he's literally like pulling people's reaction videos, reacting to something that they love and care about and are passionate about, and just absolutely roasting them for basically being passionate. Like, don't get me wrong, I even admit it in the group chat, like some of the ones that he was showing, they were being a little too over the top. But like, he was straight up shitting on them for basically having a passionate opinion. And I'm like, dude, really? Like, yeah, I didn't watch that one. I watched the short one. Yeah. So, like, I will say, and maybe not so much that I fucking hated The Last Jedi, and that's why I didn't change my. He, the way he presented it, and the fact that he's just spent the majority of the video shitting on other people's, like, passions, that's it. He turned me, he turned me off in the video because of how he was doing it. And I think everyone, like, whenever I defend The Last Jedi, I think everyone gets misconstrued because they think I'm actually saying, saying it's a it's good, good movie. Yeah, you're just saying it's, it's not. It's not. It's a horseshit movie. I'm <laughs> it's just, just saying not it's not the shittiest ever. one of all the three. <laughs> no, the shittiest one's the last one. Yeah. Oh, I think definitely. everyone agrees Rise of Skywalker is the worst one. Like, that's, like, they really just kind of threw, they just stopped caring. Like, and somehow, like, I'll, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go back and rewatch them because I, to, to, I, I, can't, I can't. I can't. I can't. No. But so, so I'm gonna go with my gut reaction after I watched them all three through the first time. Is I still thought the first one not was the not necessarily was the best movie, but I liked it the most because because of the possible story it could have set up. Yeah, and I think, too, it was, for me personally, when I went and saw it, I was just fucking hyped that Star Wars was coming out again Dang. after oh, so dude, long, was, like, that there was ooh. a movie, we were back in that world, I was like, hell yeah, and so, like, I was lit coming out of it, but then and the I think, more I watched it, I'm like, yeah. this movie kind of sucks, Yeah, I'm like, I think it's that literally was the, a new hope. Was, I think that was the initial, like, reaction to a lot, because, like, I remember, I, I will say, I loved Episode Seven coming out of the theater. Like I Same. was hyped about it. I loved it. And then, yeah, going back and just keep watching it. And especially now that you've seen, like, after watching, like, eight or nine, it's just like, hold up. This, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, I mean, like, like so, so, yes, it's basically just, uh, it's, it's basically a new hope. Like, I, I get that. But at the same time, like, you were sitting, like, when you set up a storyline to go, Hey, look, here's this chick who's force sensitive. We don't know who the fuck her parents are. And you set it up that it could possibly be Leia and Han's kid. 
like, like Obi Wan's daughter. Fucking, they okay, had so right, many so ideas. You can set it up for wait, you wait, can set it up for that. literally anything, and you just fucking mail it in with she's a goddamn fucking Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you could have done Forget anything creative with that story arc, and then not only. Not only are you not going to give us an answer to who she is in the second movie when you set up either late in the first movie or early in the second movie that Kylo knows who her parents are. When you set that up and then you're just like, they're nobodies. It's like, fuck off. The first the episode seven focused too much on like you, you the mystery you- of her of her heritage. So it leads you to think that she's someone and then to come right. follow it up. Like with, you took, you know, like, you took so much time? time and effort to push this storyline and then it led nowhere. To her being a Palpatine. So basically, you take the mystery that it sets up in the first one, right? And then the second one you pay it off with, oh, they're no one. So you basically wasted all that time setting up the first one. And then, and then, then the third the one, you're one, like, oh, like, people oh, were mad. She's a Palpatine. So I'm like, yeah. oh, you lied to me. In the third one, you're like, oh, shit, people got mad that she was a nobody. Uh, she's a Palpatine. <laughs> but she's going to call herself Skywalker. First off, get the fuck out of here with that. Oh, you don't deserve that. You spent a total of, like, six months with Leia. You want to yeah. know what honestly pisses me off more than anything in all of the movies? It's not even the movies. It's just with these like these sequels and stuff. Is that they renamed Anakin and Luke's lightsaber Ray's lightsaber? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Get the fuck well, out of here! Yeah, Disney also rena- renamed Slave One to Boba Fett's Starfighter. No, it's, yeah. oh, it's like come on, God. it's fuck Slave off. One, bitches. <laughs> but no, like, fuck off. The, the biggest issue, like one of the things that irritates me too, is like they. Hold on, where was I? I had this train of thought, and then you said that, and it made me think about Slave One. So hold on, <laughs> let me let me find it again. Let me find this train of thought because we were talking about. Oh God, Willie, what were you saying? I was saying how you set up the storyline with Ray being possibly anyone's. Oh, saying right. she was a yep. Skywalker. No, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. So that was the, all right. So we had episode talking about Last Jedi again. Episode eight. We were talking about the second one. Yep. It was setting up all this, all these like things of like, oh, Kylo is leaning kind of back to the light side and is hinting at Ray going to the dark side, and then it's doing all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, hold up, if they do this, that game changer, and then by the end of episode eight, they make Kylo Ren unredeemable just for him to be redeemed in episode nine, and like. Again, like a three-month window. <laughs> so it's like, again, it's just like, this is why the MCU has Kevin Feige. Yeah, literally. So that there's at least one, like, I thought JJ would have been better at at least having a calling presence, or at least like a singular a story, plan. but like, Ryan Johnson comes in, and going around, like, I shit on Last Jedi a lot, and a lot of the times I put a lot of the blame on Ryan Johnson. I love Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. Like he's he did Knives Out, which is one of my favorite murder mystery movies ever. Oh and it's, yeah, it's brilliantly done. Like he's a terrific filmmaker. I every risk, and I put air quotes 
every risk that he did with the last Jedi were just all shit. Well, and so, so to, to read it, to kind of jump on your point, I remember when you and I came out of the theater watching episode eight, we both said Ray should have gone to the dark side at the end yeah. of that yep. movie. Yep. She should have gone to the dark side at the it end of the movie. And then her and Kylo's redemption arcs could have been done simultaneously in episode eight. Episode nine. Or, or episode and using, nine. And, using, and then you bring Finn back. Because they right. neglected Finn, Finn I mean, got but Finn over. comes back in episode nine as like the driving emotional force yep. that is like the spearhead to at least getting Ray, and in turn, because Ray Ray would bring Kylo with her. But no, instead, Finn's most relevant storyline is fucking his not so romantic involvement with Rose. Who God, I wish she had died. Bro, it's not even her his romantic relationship with Rose. It's his romantic relationship with anyone and everyone. <laughs> and you're true. He has a completely different romantic relationship in the, in nine with a chick who was also a stormtrooper or whatever. Yeah, he's like, oh weird. shit. Yeah, we have like, to take right. another original idea and just. And I mean, originally, I heard that him and. Uh, What's his nuts? Oscar Isaac's character were supposed to be lovers. Poe Dan. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guys can't have bromances, Jesus. Well, I mean, well, they they hint they hinted at it at the very end of uh, nine. Like that just, final celebration scene, like they super hinted that like him and Poe oh, were yeah. a thing. It's just they they made him the slut of the show. And he should have been a Jedi or training to be a Jedi the whole time. Yep. He should have been. Oh, he should <laughs> not some not some common horror. Yeah. <laughs> His character is the most, and and it happened to probably the worst person. Like John Boyega was the Hayden Christensen of the sequels. Yeah. Because he was the oh, yeah. biggest Star Wars fan. Like everyone else, like. Even Oscar Isaac, like he loved he loved Star Wars and everything, and but he really took his like, hey, be a main character in Star Wars, one of the biggest franchises. Bet, and then even like Ray, like Daisy Ridley, she really wasn't in anything, so it was really kind of like her breakout. So yeah, of course mm-hmm. she got it. But John Boyega was literally like, because that's still my favorite story of Hayden Christensen, like how he, when he gets the call, yeah, when he finds out, and, and he, he literally he just, just comes out into his living room, up with his, his fake lightsaber, and yeah, and they start his roommates. He was such he was such a fan of the series and the character and he was a true fan and that was what John Boy that's what John Boy is and then they yeah. take his character and they turn him into a common her yeah because like honestly <laughs> even like you can even listen to Boyega and even even Oscar Isaac it's really funny how much like in like especially like doing like media and stuff for the last one oh yeah how re- they, fly they were they fly <laughs> dude boy yeah that one interview where they Bo- fly the whole they- fucking time since clone wars <laughs> idiot. and boyega's the first one to like point that out because it's like he knows the stuff better than jj in them like what the fuck oh god oh, this is but <laughs> We got, I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to close it into an end because holy Jesus, we are uh hour forty five. Yeah, we're uh Oh my goodness. Yeah, like it's one of those things Star Wars is one of those topics where we kinda knew that we could we could get running away with it. Yeah. Wow. And so 
before before we dip, I just want to mention the uh, callback to the last episode with my Aragon rant. Treads, <laughs> you sent that video in the group chat of the author, uh, Polini, the author, coming oh, yeah. out and saying he is going to be a main fucking focus in the TV show. He's co-writing. So he's got a lot to be of say. So well done. I'm so he's excited. He's co-writing and co-producing the the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm dude. Now I'm. I know. So I saw that. Now. I was like, shut the fuck up. And it was dude, from his official Twitter, and I yeah, was like, this is legit. I'm, dude, I'm <laughs> so fucking hyped now. They're definitely gonna do it right this time. Yep. I believe. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Oh, it's gonna be great. And, right. you know, I mean, since it's Disney, it's pretty much a blank check. Like here, yeah, do I, whatever, do it. You have the money to do whatever you want with it. The only thing with that, be careful because remember the live action Avatar: The Last Airbender TV show also got a blank check, quote unquote, from Netflix. And here we are, still like years, years after it was announced, and it's still not out. Although apparently, apparently. I didn't. I, I saw casting for that stuff. No, no. Yeah, Michael was sending recently. me tons of cast. No, no. The casting, right? I also saw the casting, but what I clearly you two haven't seen that I did see is that there was a interview with the girl that played uh, that was casted as uh, uh, Ty Lee. Mm-hmm. According to her, she's already done filming Avatar: The Last Airbender. Whoa. What? Now, granted, it's Ty, it's Ty Lee, and so, so that that especially with season one, I can't imagine like that, Ed, like I don't what? even remember her being in season one to be honest. Not Az- Azul is only there in the background for like maybe a scene or two, and May and Ty Lee are not in it at all. Right, but so like if you look at it, and it's just like they're showing them in the background when they focus on like when they come back to Fire Lord Ozai, and some of those yeah. are being there. Like so, maybe it's not a lot, but according to her, from an interview, because they asked her like, "What's next?" or whatever, and she, she her response was, "Well, we have like I just finished filming uh, Avatar: Last Airbender, and then I'm excited about that." And then I'm just like, "Oh, whoa! You ain't gonna just blow past like you didn't just say <laughs> like just nonchalantly." <laughs> but like, so assuming that because she did just say she, she didn't say we, right? Yeah. So. And then knowing how they do shoots and everything like that, it's most likely that only her role is done. But mm-hmm. that is way more than I heard. That's way farther. Than I hadn't even I've heard, heard anything. Uh, yeah, I'd, I heard I the castings. hadn't heard anything. I knew the castings, and then that was it. And then all of a yeah. sudden, she's like, "I'm done with my." I like, I, I finished filming. I'm like, "Hold up!" <laughs> also, super, also super, super exciting. Super stoked for it too because, like, literally almost all of every single one of those castings were incredible. Yeah, and, oh, they were great. Like the fact that Daniel Day Kim is going to be Fire Lord Ozai makes me so excited. Yeah. But on that off-topic note, we were talking about Star Wars today. Uh, Fred, you got anything? One last, any last uh, note you want to put out there? No, I got nothing. Willie, I assume that was your one. That no, you that, was, that was my one thing. Is All how right. I am for the Aragon stuff. Well, uh, from us here at Welcome to the Chat, I guess we will be uh, bidding you all a fond farewell, and we look forward to our next chat with you guys. 